and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father, Rabbi Avi Horowitz, and myself, Ayelet, as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and topics inspired by the weekly Torah portion. This podcast is not religiously exclusive. No matter what religion you practice, please feel free to join us as we glean timeless Torah wisdom to help us better navigate the world we live in today, or simply put, just to give us something to think about, because that's always really awesome. So let's get schmoozing. And welcome everybody to another episode of the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. We are going to be talking about the concept of spirituality. But why? But why? <laughs> so let's get right into it. First of all, we need to define what spirituality is. Um, we have to figure out then um, how and where to find it. I think in the beginning we have to agree that spirituality is a human need. But we, we, alas, we get ahead of ourselves because we have to first define it first and then we'll be able to backtrack and decide if it's a human need or not. Okay. So I have a simple definition. Um, but first I want to read from this article from Erica Brown, who's a scholar of note. Um, I have had this article for many, many uh, many, many, uh, almost decades, actually. I read this article, like, I think 20, 20 years ago. And because in the school, in the, in my school in, in South America, I w- in Chile, I was um, looking to discuss with the teachers who were really struggling with the idea of spirituality because um, in Chile there was, uh, most of the people, practically all the people had not, really had any serious experience with Judaism and um, still felt that they wanted to be spiritual people. And the teachers, on the other hand, wanted to create a spiritual feel, uh, thereby, you know, in in the teaching and in their classrooms, so that the students, even though they were young, um, would connect to what it is that they were learning. Right, so in other words, they were teaching Chumash in, in, in second grade, and fourth grade, fifth grade, let's say, and they felt that they needed to, to make that the, the teaching look a lot more fun, a lot more interesting, a lot more exciting than your regular subject, just so that the children who had no experience with religion should be able to feel that it was something special. So that creates a whole dynamic in and of itself, which is that um, teachers are kind of bending over backwards because they're thinking that they need to create the the, the, the material and to the curriculum to something much more entertaining than your average, let's say, math class or science class, where there's just an assumption that the teacher is teaching it and, you know, doing her best, but in the end, she doesn't have to, like, make the child love math or love science. Maybe they would like to, but it's not like the end all, right? Whereas over here, it was like a fight to survive. You know, like the children, if they didn't connect um, at all to the religious studies, so then they would have no future in the whole thing because their parents clearly were not, you know, so much on board with the the whole project of, you know, getting into uh, religion and understanding their Judaism and their identity and stuff like that. You understand? So... So that's why I started looking around for for definitions for to understand what it is to teach spirituality, what it is to teach spirituality, like what, because ultimately that's what it is. You're not just having the children 
have a good time, right? It's it's not just about having a good time because that's short lived, and then when it's not a good time, the kids aren't interested in, in doing it. it. Has to be something more meaningful and something that's connecting them to something. So, and it's also more than memorizing psukim and remembering the story. It's about having the the learning provide spirituality. Right. You could have empty learning. Right. So you we're you're actually getting ahead of it of ourselves because that's that's really what something I actually wanted to quote directly from this article because um we might as well just do it now. It I'll quote it, but it's it's because she writes it and she she writes it well and it's clear I'll, I'll say exactly what that point is. It's, it, to me it was it was very um important to to see how somebody reflecting on our history also saw the things the way I was seeing it and, the, and how the needs today are changing. She says, our educational system for has for thousands of years promoted the mastery of texts as its primary goal and mastery of person as an ancillary benefit. Um, another quote is, unstated assumption was that learning at the material alone will promote spiritual growth. Say them both again slower, though. Slower? Yeah. Like, if you're trying, because sometimes you could read a quote and it's like, what? Okay, our educational system has, for thousands of years, promoted the mastery of texts as its primary goal, and mastery of person as an ancillary benefit. Okay. See? And another quote is, the unstated assumption was, learning the material alone will promote spiritual growth. Something that I very much lived in, growing up many years in yeshiva. It was just unstated. It was unspoken. Um, The author now writes, I have become to believe that without the spiritual frameworks or the injection of meaning into textual orientation, students will lose their motivation for lifelong learning and fail to see the depth and profundity that underlies their commitment to Judaism. So I personally agree with that. Amen. I agree with that. But it's just like, you should just know it just wasn't always that way. It was just, there was an assumption that, and, and it's 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 very interesting to try to double click there and understand why that was like what kept people what was their expectation for spirituality and meaning from the reading of texts i mean feeling of belonging the feeling of like uh, uh connecting to something that um you know bigger the, I, I always think it has to do with like just different types of expectations, you know, what life is about, but whatever. I don't, I don't want to get lost in that right now. Um, I don't, it's not lost, but I don't, I don't want to take that slightly different route right now. I just want to see if we can focus on, <clears throat> see if we can focus on what it is that we're looking for when we talk about spirituality. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we're talking about it now, I might as well throw it in is because the Parsha, I think you even mentioned it when we were bouncing around some ideas, but, the the greatest and most famous collective sin in our history is the Egel Hazahav, right? Golden Calf. And it starts with, according to the Ramban, a search for spirituality, but a search for spirituality is born out of fear because the people are saying, and it's quoted twice in the Pasuk, um, the people see that Moshe is, is delaying, they're not sure exactly where he is, and they say, uh, well, this man, Moshe, that took us out of Mitzrayim, like, we don't know where he is. We don't know what happened to him. Mm-hmm. 
So they tell Aaron, look, make for us a, some kind of a leader, a god, a spiritual being that can go in front of us and lead us. So the Ramban and others, other commentaries also say that it's some kind of a search for um, spiritual guidance. They felt kind of lost and disoriented. I could imagine I'm saying, so from, from the inception of the nation, they've been guided. They've never been on their own, really. Right, we're just adding the word spiritual because I think anything meaningful that the Torah might want us to know about is it has to do with that. And it's um, in general, I think people back then in a non-secularized world were always looking for something to connect to something higher. That, that, that was the ticket. That was the ticket out of like the, the misery of the world. You know, saying that we just have to. It was much more. It was much different than the world we live in, but. Alas, we get ahead of ourselves. Um, let, let's let me put it this way. Um, here, I, I thought it was pretty funny because I remember thinking the same thing. She, this, the Erica Brown quotes um, attempts at spirituality from by quoting certain uh, flyers and I love these. <laughs> They're so real. And, uh, you know, real real events that have uh, had been going on at least a couple of decades ago. Today you can find even things that are more wild. Um, <clears throat> here, for example, it says um, Jewish Women's Spirituality and Creativity Conference, where you will recapture the sounds of our heritage and um, you will uh, be involved in... In uh, pottery work, participants will carve and mold a piece of clay into a creative expression of the one who breathes us. And um, the Jewish Renewal Circuit, will ad we're advertising for a Shabbaton that says, Sunrise Walk with a musical service at the ocean, guided conscious eating at breakfast, water exercising for body toning, yoga with Kabbalah, sunset barbecue with folk dancing, Avdallah ritual on the beach, Kabbalistic meditation, sunrise co-ed mikvah ritual in the ocean. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, anyway, that's enough of that. But you kind of get the idea where um, we're, we're looking for spirituality, but there's something that something that rubs us wrong with, with, I have to say, with these types of things. And I just want to try to express what that is, and especially in the light of the, of the Parsha. Um, Spirituality is, I believe, the connection to the spirit, simply put, right? to the ruach. When, when we connect, I think we even mentioned it last podcast, when we, when we connect to the spirit, that means that <clears throat> principally I'm connecting to something that's out of my own awareness, of my own necessities, is the first and foremost concern that I have in my mind right now. So if I'm feeling spiritual, that means I've already I've been able to escape the consciousness of my own self and needs, you know, as being like the most urgent thing on my mind. Like we spoke about it last week. Like mm -hmm. if I decide, if I decide, oh, this looks yummy. Um, look at these nuts and cashews and everything that I have on my desk. I mean, I really need them now because I'm hungry and my body's saying that I'm hungry and I'm going to eat it. And how I'm going to open it, and I'm going to, maybe I'll have it with some ice cream, or you know, start making moves in my mind. Okay, so I'm not being spiritual right now. Now I can add a tone of spirituality, and I could think above 
what my physical needs are and I could think from my soul and say, um, is this good for me? Uh, is this good for my, is this really what I need? Is this going to help me bring myself to have greater strength for some purpose? Right? Is there some purpose of the eating now? And if I'm more conscious of the purpose, like, well, yeah, because I have a lot of good things I need to do today. And if those good things have to do with the other, right, like helping other people, preparing for something spiritual like Shabbat, and also thinking that the preparation for Shabbat is not about eating delicious food, but it's also it's really about connecting to something higher. So that eat every little thought and and what we call kavana is is really um, a, a testing ground for how spiritual you want to be. Because even the most mundane things we, we like saying can also have a tone of spirituality to it as long as you direct it to something spiritual. Now, again, so the definition of spiritual means that which, that which uh, transcends my own consciousness of my own needs. Right? So if i'm if i'm tuning into the conscious to the to the necessities of the other or the reality of the other to connect to the other the other could of course as we said last week of course is is first and foremost god but but a person needs to climb to the abstraction of god through other people that is a spiritual person a spiritual person is a person who will by definition um search and look and, and, and pine to connect to the other, right? Leaving behind his own personal self and needs, right? Way behind. And that person, by definition, is becoming spiritual. Now, therefore, he is able to connect to God as well. As long as he understands the notion of God, then he'll be able to connect to God as well. Right? But if a person is stuck within his own confines and his own needs, he will not be able to connect to God. Really. He's not connecting because he's not conscious of connection. So it's very, it's quite simple. It's, it's called spirituality. You can call it something else, but in Hebrew also, ruchniut, it's kind of like a, it's a late term, but it's, the, the ruach is a nice word because it's something that's in common, that we all have in common. It's something, something that's not just you. It's the ruach. It's like, the Torah says, Elokei HaRuchot uh, calls God the God of Ruchot, the God of the spirits, which means it's a reference to each individual as being a Ruach. So when you go into that world of like that sphere of like the connect, of connection of Ruach, so you're, you're essentially lifting yourself up into a world of connection that connects everyone and everything. There's a spirit of that God breathed into man, right? That spirit of life. That exists in things and all things. So you're even if you connect to nature, if you connect to things, you're, you're, if, if you're connecting to nature, it's a little bit harder to construe that you're really being spiritual because the the nature doesn't have its own. It's it, it, it's easier to be a projection of yourself. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? This yeah. tree is really like I see myself in the tree because the tree is not talking to me and it's not saying, "Hey, I'm not you." Right. So you, it's hard to become spiritual that way. You can, but it, it, could, it could very easily be just you that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. um, but when, if you talk to other people, if, I mean, I'm sorry, if you relate to other people, then the other person you know deep down is a, 
is a totally different thing, as especially, you know, if you ever, ever raise children, you'll realize that quite quickly that um, as much as we like to project on our children, but our children are, are quite different. And the sooner you realize that, I always say that the first time I really had that uh, strong realization was when our first child, Tzvi, uh, I won't talk to anymore, but <laughs> Tzvi was, um, must have been just old enough to basically walk a little bit, must have been around two, two something. I walk into my library after uh, a day out, and it must have been about six in the afternoon, and I, I walk to my study, and there are potatoes, <laughs> raw potatoes, strewn <laughs> all over, with normally very clean, orderly library among the books on my chair. And like, it was so incongruent, like, okay, there's raw potatoes here. Like, there's no mouse that's big enough to... To leave it this way it's like okay my son just found a sack of potatoes <laughs> so you know that's when you realize the other you know in your own life you know you just assume your children are just like kind of part of you and like you know they'll do the thing that you kind of expect them to do and like you know and then boom and then you realize that like they're not on their own they do so what i'm saying is to connect in that way uh which, again, it's going to go a little bit beyond what we want to do today. But, it, you know, the idea of that God made concentric circles that we spoke about a couple weeks ago also, that it, it should be easier to relate to your children, to relate to the other, because they're your children. I mean, there's a biological and emotional connection right there. But then you have to grow out of it to realize that you need to afford everyone their own spirituality. And to connect to them, you have to afford them, like you have to look at them as separate Right, mm -hmm. separate entities of their own spirit, so, and that's uh, that's part of spirituality. So it's like when you bring it down to this level, you can even, you know, see how educating children for spirituality is something that starts with the most basic things that we teach children, which is to consider the other, you know, sharing, you know, all that stuff, and like just hello, just because we're born that way, we're born with a very myopic, very egocentrical uh, nature. Um, that was also part of the design, so the you know, self-preservation. But ultimately, the more you grow and the more you mature, the more you're able to focus on the other and, and realize that you're okay. And on the contrary, the more you focus on the other, the more, well, as long as you don't abnegate, you know, you're not guilty of self-abnegation, um, <clears throat> the more you actually become more of a person. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned a couple points that I just wanted to men like kind of just highlight the main points of it. the first part. The first thing that you said was anything could be given a level of spirituality when we were talking about cashews and you know eating things. Everything, some things are innately um, more um, conducive to higher levels of spirituality, but everything in life can be given levels of spirituality depending on our intention and focus mm -hmm. you're saying that the intention and focus will always have to do with leaving our um focus on ourselves and what we need just because of the things that we need and go and going further and connecting to what is beyond us like for example why are we here 
it's important for me to eat so that I can keep up my strength because I am on this earth to accomplish bringing divinity um, and, and however you feel. However, right, exactly. So there's that. And then you mentioned how sometimes there are things that are, um, for example, I'm just thinking about the, the example of the flyer, you know, walk through the forest and pray prayers and, you know, prayer service oh, in the forest, quote, mikvah yeah, service, sure. um, where you said there's a danger in thinking that just because you are outside or maybe in a place that is less um, confined and maybe less um, obviously about you, there's still the danger of making it about you. Right. Like Especially when, if it doesn't talk back. Exactly. When you're not dealing with actual people, then it's very easy to make connection really be about you, even though it might feel like a spiritual experience. Right. That's a, so that's a great segue and a great, you, you, as you're saying things, you're like ticking off a lot of different things, but I, I want to try to focus it on this. In, in our, in the way we see it is like this. Um, there's a lot of activities in a religious life that still escapes religion officially in the sense that it's called rishus, right? It's it's like, I don't need to eat these almonds. There's nothing commanding. There's, not a, there's no commands, right? But and then there's activities that are part of our religious life, keeping Shabbat, you know, doing mitzvot, doing antifilin. Now, um, it should be, that if if I'm going to get up in the morning and strap, you know, boxes to myself that have whatever to fill in, it it should be that since that activity is um, something that is uh, essentially spiritual activity, otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. Right? It should be connecting me. It should. That's that's what you meant. It's more propense to connect me because that's what it's about. Right? It's not about me doing my needs however meaning tefillin has no accom- tefillin is there there's no part about tefillin that is self-serving in essence in, in essence unless I'm, you take it unless you can uh, and which is possible you could warp it and make it about self-fulfillment and whatever but it's not even so much warping as much as like i want to explain it like this it, uh, it's kind of like once you something becomes a habit so you do it almost because it's. it could be for you. You could be saying, like, this is what I do. Like, what would happen if I didn't do it? Like, you're almost afraid not to do it because because how will you face it? I mean, you, you took on an obligation and, you, you know, you always assumed it in one way or another. And there's a certain, a certain, you can even construe that into some kind of a fear and kind of do it. Because it makes, or, or it's because I need to make myself feel like I've done it, which is not. You understand which you you were like almost neutering the whole activity into something almost mundane. Right. I, I just saw this amazing um, film. Actually, it was a, it was a small video from Rob Schwab, who was the leader of the German community in America, <clears throat> who came from Europe, and he was once sitting at the table with Chavetz Chaim. And he he was there, and the Chavetz Chaim said the following thing, which I, thought was, I think is very appropriate to this. He said, he said, you know, we have this uh, midrash that says that in the desert, when we ate the man, ate the manna, uh, a person thought of 
him the food that he wanted it to taste like, then it would taste like that. And which means even if he didn't say it, he just thought it, right? it would have the taste. So he looked around the table and he said, what would happen if a person didn't think at all? What taste would it have then? Hmm. So he looks around and it didn't seem anybody wanted to answer. So he said, I'll tell you what taste it had. It didn't have any taste. He said, he said, you know, you can learn a daf gemara, and it's the sweetest thing in the world. He even went like this. It's like such a sweet thing. But if you're not thinking, it has no taste. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of a very deep critique of what we're talking about here today. Right. And it's, you can even, your brain is moving. I mean, otherwise, you're not doing anything. He's not talking about just reading words. In other words, you know exactly what you're reading, and you understand that you're thinking. You're thinking about what it says. But you're not connecting because you're not realizing what real you're doing. And that's an act of doing a mitzvah. <clears throat> Here we're talking about a spiritual act, which is assuming the person's like putting on tefillin. The person is putting it on because it's an act of a mitzvah. The person is studying Torah because it's an act of a mitzvah. Or is he? <laughs> Maybe he's doing it because... He makes him feel good, or which is okay. Make you know, depends how you understand that. But maybe he's doing it because it's just expected of him. Maybe he's doing it because, you know, that's what we do. I get up and it's my it's my routine, you know. And like when people can develop any routine, as long as it's not, I guess, negative, they can get used to anything. You know, they just do this, they do that. And when you ask them, well, why are you doing it? So because I did it yesterday and the day before. It doesn't. It doesn't become. It doesn't. Let's just say it loses its spiritual um, potential. Mm-hmm. See, so so that's so. I guess if because we don't have a lot of time today, I guess if we try to like bring this home for for just take make one more point, and that is that that has to do with uh, what uh, we learn from the ego, which is a very hard thing for us to swallow about spirituality, which really is the critique about from these. Uh, water exercises and body toning and yoga with Kabbalah things that we have, if we had to put it in words, um, it's that, first of all, a person always needs to know, if I'm being spiritual, what am I connecting to? If I'm really connecting to myself or something outside of myself? It's a very tricky thing, and, it, and if a person's not used to what to that if a person's not used to that or or has never been taught exactly what it is to be selfless, it's very hard to even know the difference. Um, that's one point. The other point is is that one of the uh, one of the ways to understand the problem of the attempt to make an eagle has a golden calf is that they weren't asked to do it. We'll find in a string of things. In the Torah, you know, we have to realize that they were at this very, very uh, high uh, climactic moment in the Jewish people, in the history of the Jewish people, where they just received the Torah, right? So there was a lot expected of them after that mm-hmm. experience. It kind of reminds us also, which were the Chazal bring our attention to, uh, the children of Aaron, not of an that also they're at this high climactic moment, which is kind of like the end of this process of. Getting the Torah, leaving the Torah, getting a Torah, and building a Mishkan. And 
the Mishkan on the day of inauguration, they go into the Holy of Holies uncommanded with a very spiritual offering. In other words, they were clearly spiritual people, and they, their spirituality was real. Still, you know, they were struck down. Why? Because there's something about spirituality that will always be you, unless you're doing it because you're doing it because you're commanded. In other words, the, 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 the recipe of spirituality of the Torah sounds really boring, but if you, if you because it's, it means it's not from you, but if you really break it down, you'll see that the, the secret of spirituality is actually that, is that you become a spiritual being when it, it, you're doing it because it's not from you. <laughs> <laughs> it that just clicked for me while you were explaining. I was like, oh. That's, you know, the Chazal talk about the difference between something called sachar, which is a reward. We'll have to talk about it some other time because there's a lot of mixed misunderstandings when it comes to that. But reward really means you, when you hit pay dirt, like when you hit reality, then there's more reward. It's not like, oh, you just, this so arbitrarily I give you that. It's like sachar means. When you're getting closer to the reality of the thing, when you're getting closer to the truth, there's more reward. Understand? That's one day, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So, um, when it says that when a person is commanded to do something, there's more reward, right? and that when a person is not commanded to do something, there's not as much reward. That's really what it means. It means that when a person has to commit themselves to an ideal, even though it doesn't come from you. I mean, ultimately, everything comes from you because you're deciding to take on that ideal, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the you can you can feel how the process of like um, refining the soul means like becoming less and less about me and becoming more and more about the, the other the other right. thing. Yeah. So 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 ultimately, what, what are we talk? What are we saying? We're saying the critique, just like in those days, of the Egal Zahab Nadavanaviu was that to become truly spiritual. Especially if you're coming to confuse what with the, what's really spiritual with what you think is spiritual, um, it can be a very grave situation. It's because it's ultimately your own projection about you connecting, and sometimes that becomes very grave if you take what's really about connecting, what's really about spirituality, and you confuse it with your own ideas of spirituality and turn it into something else. So you're taking this great opportunity for everyone to connect, and you're saying, "No, it's about this." That's where it gets, you know, very serious uh, because people ultimately, you know, you want to go on a guided uh, sunrise walk and uh, musical prayer service at the ocean. You know, okay, it's, you know, it's not traditional, whatever, you know, whatever. But the thing is, if you speak in the name of religion, you say that this is what the religion really wants of us. So then you're taking away the opportunity for a person to really, to, um, Agachar el moño, we say in Spanish. You ever hear that? No. You ever hear agachar el moño? No. It means lower your head. Moño, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, there's something about humility that makes spirituality. It's not something. It's very essential to spirituality, because that's ultimately what we've been saying. It's if you, if you, if, if we are constantly focused on our own needs. And, and our own self, 
we're just going to be that less spiritual. Right. So the whole the word subjugation is like scary today, but the whole idea of subjugating yourself under the the greater idea, right? That makes for spirituality. Assuming the greater idea is actually something that's connecting and it's not just, I don't know, communism or something like that. Right? But um, even that, you know, a person gives of themselves or something, There, it's a, it's a potential for spirituality. You know, people can, can be swept up in all kinds of ideas that they're willing to sacrifice for. And the word sacrifice with italics or with emphasis because that is the beginning of spirituality. If a person is really willing to sacrifice, but really sacrifice, then it is the beginning of spirituality. The question is, what are you sacrificing for? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so to to wrap it up, it's basically that our critique is that you know it's not we. I don't. It's, our critique is not about people trying to find their own way in spirituality. But I think if it doesn't, number one is that it has to. In order for it to be truly spiritual, it has to be the the lessening of the preponderance of myself to myself you know, in my own mind, and it has to. And ideally, not it has to, but ideally, if we really, really, what we believe is that, and the, and the logic of it is, is that what, what, is that the real spirituality comes from when I am able to latch on to something outside of myself that will help me initiate a process that otherwise I wouldn't do for myself. Right. As I wouldn't dream of putting on black boxes with, you know, all kinds of wonderful spiritual things in them and wrap them around my arm. There's no way I would have thought of doing that. Right? Um, so, so therefore those, those things that are truly spiritual in the sense that they're t- truly potentially spiritual because it, totally outside of my own sphere of what I would think and do, I have greater opportunity to spiritualize my activity by just getting into that zone of like, this is what I'm doing. I remember once we were actually sitting around in Chile like 20 some years ago and and guys are just, you know, they were just getting into stuff and we're sitting around on Sunday morning, it was eight o'clock in the morning and Sunday, you know, these guys really gave it themselves, you know, not grew up religious, and they really gave themselves to get up in the early morning on a Sunday, which is like crazy. And stuff. I've heard of. And we're all looking at, you know, everyone's kind of groggy, and I'm looking at them, and they're looking or whatever, putting strapping on the till, and I said, like, wait, 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 wait a second. What in the world are we doing here? Sunday morning, the entire country is sleeping. We're up here in a cold, you know, it was the old colo back then. And it's like, we're strapping on these boxes. Like, what are we doing? And these are guys that hadn't had much experience in this at all. And they also felt like very refreshed by that question of like, you know, let's, let's stop and let's like rededicate ourselves to this activity to become, let's say today, mindful, to become more conscious of like, I hereby am dedicating this activity to what it's really meant to be. And that becomes a very transcendental moment for you because it doesn't come from you. Whereas, let's say, if you, if you, let's say, it's not about you, right? It shouldn't be about you. It's it's easier to be not about you. Whereas, if I'm sitting at my table on the Shabbat and also mitzvah to eat on Shabbat, right? But there's a delicious, 
piece of meat that's waiting for me to savor, that the, the it's 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 a greater challenge to channel that activity into a spiritual activity, because this activity is something that I would want to do anyway, regardless. So it kind of blurs the lines a little bit. All right. So how do I get out of myself and eat this thing? You know, for the sake of something else, except besides that my <clears throat> salivary glands are, are like really primed to eat this thing, and my stomach is like my whole body is just wants to eat it. <clears throat> so where where can I put my consciousness now that I can really transcend this moment? That's what the you know if they talk about Kabbalah over here, the Kabbalah deals a lot, especially in Hasidut, they deal a lot with this because it's it's much more of a physical um, experience in Judaism that they trying to teach their adherents and telling them that like you know you can live the way you live, but like you could bring everything up. So how do you bring it up? This is it. Spirituality is to be found in consciousness or mindfulness. Or what it is that you're doing that make it less about you and more about the idea of what it is that you're doing. Mm. And I liked what you said about the the rededication, the rededication of of the activity of of self, meaning the re right the the rededication of myself to something else or to someone else. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Um, we wake up in the morning, we kind of feel like new day, <laughs> but there is this idea of, the Torah says, like, if you really want to live it, the spirituality, things have to be new in your eyes. You have to feel newness. And the way to create newness is by stopping yourself and just making yourself, you know, think and rededicate. And a lot of times we're so, we're such creatures of habit. A lot of times, like, the, 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 the whole act of rededication can also become rote. There's, now we say the rededication part, and then that also gets swallowed up in just something you do. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like we're so trapped sometimes in our own needs and stuff. We kind of just like eat all of these spiritual activities and make them part of some kind of a routine, which is like the killer of spirituality. Because it just becomes you. Thoughtless routine. I'm sure there are plenty of people who have routines that can be very spiritual, but for the most part, routine entails a mindless doing of repetitive right. action. Right. So without beating too much on this drum, but, you know, I'd like to go back to what the Chavetz Chaim said. I mean, we, uh, we, we, we are living in a generation, I believe, where there's a lot of uh, dead spirituality out there. It's just... We're trying to find so many different ways to reinvigorate our religiousness, which is supposed to make us feel passionate about what we're doing. And, you know, it sounds maybe a little cliche, but, I mean, ultimately you can't, you can't really change what it is. You can't change the definition. It always comes back to the same thing. It's like, how much are we focusing on ourselves? And when we're used to getting what it is that we want, and we live in a very affluent um, age, let's say, and, and especially in uh, comparing it to other times where there was, you know, you just woke up in the morning, if you imagine, you didn't have what you wanted. You'd love to have a nice sandwich and an egg and a hot toast. But 
the generation above us, you know, my father as well, like, you know, sometimes you just didn't have what to eat anymore. You know, you didn't have those things. You didn't even dream of it. Um, maybe it did exist. You know, my, my teacher uh, used to say that, you know, he grew up eating uh, onions and bread for breakfast and bread and onions for, for lunch and then, then again onions and bread for dinner that was his joke but basically they had nothing to eat they lived in israel you know about 80 years ago and we were rabbi weinberg mm. yeah, he lived in Sfat. it was incredible difficult to diff the conditions then and he said they they were a family that had some some things what i'm saying is is that spirituality is born out of the uh, maybe the, the word negation is not such a great word, but the negation of self, the negation of your own needs. Again, there's, a, there's, in measure, we're not meant to negate ourselves to the point of self-abnegation, but when you look at really spiritual people, they're fine. They're, they're just not, they're not engaging all the time and like, oh, I need this, I need that, I need that. And, and, but they're, if they're healthy, then they're still healthy. I'm saying they know, they know the balance. And sometimes people who are very, very spiritual beings will actually, yeah, be a little bit guilty of self-abnegation. But what is the definition of self-abnegation? You know, you're dealing with a, a, you know, a holy soul who eats, you know, and maybe once a day and fasts. You know, you're not going to say, hey, you're not taking care of yourself. You know, he's he's somewhere else. He's he's so he's he's enraptured. He's in love with connection. Can't it's 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 much better to err on that side than to err on the side of like indulgence. This is the path of spirituality. So let it be said and let it be written. No, it's better. I think both extremes are just as harmful. This is something that I know is hard to for people to hear today because we're so wrapped up in the other way. But look, I give you an example. I mean, you know, Hanina Mendoza fasted for X amount of years. You know, he was and he had needed to be revived, and because he was fasting over the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. I mean, he what do we say? Oh, you know, I'm going to come teach you Hanina Mendoza about self-abnegation. You know, like he was so he was connecting he was like his spiritual food was something else it wasn't uh when you compare it to the other extreme of course it's, it's not even comparable he's a, he's a living like an angel and somebody else on the other extreme is like you know 100% you know uh, taking care of all of his needs and like okay his mind space is all about his needs so how much time are we spending uh, and using our own mind space for our own needs? It's a necessity, but a necessity shouldn't become an obsession. It shouldn't become the main thing that you think about during the day. Because then you become a non-spiritual self. And when you're not spiritual, you're not connecting, then you feel it. And then this is what we actually, one of the things we asked in the beginning, is it a need? If this definition of, a, of, of spirituality is what we're working with, so then yeah, it's a need. It's a different need. It's easy to ignore, but at the end of the day, when people start feeling a lack of meaning, then they say, oh, well, I need something spiritual, right? So then they think spirituality means, oh, go on and go up the top of a mountain and uh, yodel, you know, with a tehillim. 
you know, I'm, again, I'm not knocking it, but ultimately there's something about um, real spirituality that has to do with, from the beginning to end, the lack of self. So if I want to go up to the mountain and do Tehillim and Yodel, and uh, uh, that's great. But it's short-lived, probably, and it's, it's something that you dreamed of or something that that person dreamed of. Why do they dream of it? Because they like it. It's, it's a, you know. Mm-hmm. So again, it, it will it will create a certain cap on the depth of the spiritual experience because it really just comes from the person's own projection. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I have to I have to like crunch on that for a bit, but nice. But it, yeah, it did make sense, though, that when you were explaining about the Egel Azahav and then Nadevin Avihu offering a sacrifice, it kind of all clicked, like, oh, I get it. Like, the, the where where the desire for connection comes from matters, and, and how you do it matters, because, it, like you said, it's it's all about, it's all about doing not for you but doing for the doing for the sake of connection it's not about because i want to feel good in the case of or for the other selfless right now of course the reason why we believe that that real spirituality is connected to god is because the sake of the other is that god has no needs so it's not he's not confined really so this is a deeper idea but ultimate spirituality is losing you know connecting and kind of losing yourself in god but if you do it for a person, it's also because you're doing it for his needs. You know, doing things that are for others is also very spiritual. Very spiritual. And it's ultimately connecting you to God through man. Mm-hmm. Now, if a person joins a cult and they say, you know, oh, I believe in uh, Jack Jones or whatever his name was. And John Smith. There's a famous cult called uh, Jim Jones, right? So whatever. They all committed suicide at the end. Oh, I don't know. Something about, I don't know, four decades ago. And, UFO from and uh, you know, the person can live like a certain selflessness also and like feel that they're connecting because they're leaving themselves, right? And they're connecting to this idea of whatever he represented in that cult. But since the person is really distorted and the ideas are distorted, all the whole thing comes crashing down. The person gets sick of it and enough of it. You, one thing we always say on Shabbos, Sab enu mitubecha. We, we pray that God should satisfy us with your good. Satisfy us with your good. What's your good? There's difference between, if you eat a hamburger and you love hamburgers, right? You take one bite and it's super delicious. You take a second bite, it's maybe it's even more delicious. At some point after the fifth bite, it's not as delicious as the first bite. And then by the 20th bite, you're kind of like ready to give it up. Right? So anything that doesn't really have that um, desire to keep wanting it is really not essentially not spiritual. Spiritual ascends. The more you have it, the more you want of it. There's no, there's no getting tired of it. So when we say, Sabeinu mituvecha, uh, help us be satisfied with your good. First of all, the person, if it gets to that moment of spirituality, they realize like this: I, I would want this forever, right? Sometimes people get tired and they just they they lose focus, so then they kind of like get distracted. It's not like they don't want that; 
It's just that they get distracted to want other things that they think are better. Mm -hmm. You fall into a routine or you... Right, but a person never like is in a connection and a love and he says, oh, you know, I had enough of love. <laughs> you know, no more love for me. You know? But you understand the difference? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. A lot of things to think about. Call it a wrap. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good Shabbos and uh, be blessed.